Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing. Joining me today, just finished dusting off his electronic toothbrush. It's Holden Martinson. Holden, what's up? Oh, <laughs> uh, not a lot. Just gotta, gotta make sure that toothbrush is, is clean enough to uh, you know, unleash, un- unleash your inner genie <laughs> exactly, <laughs> or your inner gin. Um, yeah, but, you uh, know, okay. I do that though. I have a separate electric toothbrush for the, that exact purpose. Maybe not, you know, opening up <laughs> to, just to, just to, quit, to brush off certain things that you'd rather not just like rub down with a paper towel, you know, Look, you Dennis, a little more oomph. they say you got to use electric toothbrushes. So why should that not apply to my stove or my oven or my <laughs> kitchen sink? Maybe if I just say like enough times that I use Quip, they'll sponsor this podcast. It's been a few years, but <laughs> Quip used to sponsor all of the podcasts. Uh, and that, 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 that which, who is, who, who is who I use, but no more, no more free ads. You, if, <laughs> if you're listening Quip, you can reach out. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, as I noted, 3000 years of long is the long awaited follow-up to, uh, writer director, George Miller's 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. You might've heard of that movie. Uh, it, it tells the story of, uh, Althea Binney played by Tilda Swinton. She is a British scholar, a narratologist, which Holden, I mean, you might, you're, you're probably a little more well-read than me. I didn't even know that was a job until about three days ago. Um, and uh but she 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 goes around the world giving talks about you know narrative structure storytelling mythology and all that kind of thing and how it can kind of shape how we think about the world but she's been having certain kind of visions of these other kind of um these presences these uh demonic beings different kind of things these hallucinations that pop out of nowhere um and uh it caused her to fall one of these trips she's going to in istanbul but she ends up uh recovering and walking around the city comes upon a lamp that she uh find or not a lamp um a bottle that she finds kind of interesting at an antique shop and when she goes back to her uh, hotel room which is uh apparently we're, we're told where agatha christie wrote murder on the orient express while she's in there she decides to dust off this bottle with her electronic toothbrush all of a sudden it unleashes a uh, big massive being who just happens to look like idris elba he identifies himself as a jinn who needs to grant her three wishes then he shrinks down to regular Idris Elba size, and she's pretty skeptical about him. Uh, and but he says, "No, no, no, this is really true. Here's my story. I, this is what I need to do, and I'm and I'm going to unburden myself with and tell you about all my pain and three thousand years of being cooped up in this bottle." And that's kind of where we go. Um, God, I, I, I'm almost more interested to talk about like that the fact that this movie even exists than the movie itself holding. Yeah. But I think, I, I think, I think where I'll start, we're, I think we're gonna have to talk a little bit about what this obviously about what or a lot about what this movie wants to say about storytelling in general. But I think one of the things I couldn't help but think about when I decided to, when I asked you to do the podcast was uh, you were last on at the end of last year to talk about uh, the power of the dog, a movie that was somehow in my top five movies of the year, even though as I, as as I came clean on a later podcast, Holden, I let everyone know that I watched it twice and somehow let the murder subplot go over my head. And here I uh, here I like this movie towards the end, I'll say, and I like the movie, but towards the end, I think there's some storytelling things that maybe don't totally hundred percent add up or totally click. And I was aware of that at the end of it, but I didn't care. And yeah. I think, I, I think, I think that's kind of interesting because like, I think I was able to just kind of like allow myself to like, just be kind of um, be kind of like taken over and uh, wash and lose, immerse myself in the stories that George Miller wanted to tell so badly that I didn't really necessarily care if every little plot point within this movie didn't necessarily uh, wind, end up like tying itself in a nice, neat, tidy bow. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, because uh, I know you really like this movie. Um, oh, what yeah. was it yeah, that, what, what was it that kind of like most resonated with you when you like walked out of the theater? I know you were like so taken by it that you had to go see it again because you wanted to like mm-hmm. have it all click. But I'm wondering, were you the most kind of intrigued in the storytelling here? Or was it something about like the visual style? Because it's certainly going for something distinctly visual from, say, you know, the Mad Max movies or even like, I don't know, Babe. <laughs> Which oh. I watch, by the way, I watched Babe again for the first time since I was a kid, like three days ago. I'm like, I gotta like brush up my George Miller. Did not make it to Pig in the City, but like I have now recently seen Babe, which I could not have said at any point in like the last 15 years. <laughs> oh, I mean, Babe, a, a masterpiece. I, I watch that <laughs> periodically. It's um, just unbelievable. But um, uh, you know, I I think that uh, Three Thousand Years of Longing kind of 
um, shares the same sort of optimism as as Babe, mm. you know, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, the thing about it, obviously, this is a a movie about stories. It's about someone who is um, who 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 makes it their career, their business, to their life. Yeah, exactly, and they're satisfied in it. They love it, um, even though their job <laughs> seems to be. We don't need stories anymore. We have science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should so- say the Tilda Swinton character I didn't add is like mm-hmm. alone in life, which is, I mean, a big part of the movie in that she was married once. Yes. Her husband ran off with a younger woman and she has never remarried, never really had kids and is just on her own, but like likes to tell everyone how happy she is with that. She is very uh, emotionally closed off um, in everything except stories. And that's what she tells mm. uh, Jin, the Idris Elba genie um, that she is, uh, I guess I don't have to say he's a genie. I guess a gin. Anyway, Um, (laughs) uh, but like the way she can find emotion is, is through story. You know, the, the, the thing that is so compelling about this film is it is, it is explicitly about stories, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, part of that is, is the filmmaking, which is so, um, so imaginative and so um uh compelling like and 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 george miller is is best i believe as a visual storyteller and stylist um uh, especially his penchant for these exaggerated um images that you see in in his mad max movies uh even in something like uh, lorenzo's oil um which uh i haven't seen in a long time but even that is is something that will is like a a contained like um like human drama where he will let the the filmmaking go a little wild uh but uh, i think i well i think i think it's interesting you touched on that for a second about just how much of a visual storyteller he is because um i well one i think mad max got so much uh, acclaim because of the practical effects Oh, and yeah. uh, deservedly so. And we're in the midst of this, um, specifically this year of a rash of stories about the industry and how overtaxed the VFX houses are and how the VFX in a lot of films just don't yeah. look so hot. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I guess I've seen some differing opinions in how effective a lot of that stuff is here, but it's just funny. He goes from making one movie where it's like everything's practical to one that's like going to really heavily rely on like visual effects to like kind of recreate all these different worlds he's traveling back to. And I think it, but I think on the whole, it succeeds on that, which is just, it's just interesting. It shows his versatility, even for a guy his age. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the visual effects um, that he uses in 3000 years of longing um, are fantastical in a way mm-hmm. that isn't possible practically where where you are creating these these new things um and you know i think his use of cgi is um is at least more forgivable not that there's nothing anything inherently wrong with using cgi but um uh, because it is so good to look at it's really colorful um it's it's very you know it's it has a lot of intention in it and especially when he has these sequences um closer to the end which become a little more um abstract um that's that's when it really shines um and you know he he gets a lot out of suggestion and um and and just through his use of of the camera um he's teaming up again with um with john seal who he worked with on mad max fury road uh and this is john seals the last film he's retiring after this one um or has retired i guess but yeah you know he he is using every uh visual tool in his in his belt for what's a pretty small scale story in some ways because it is just these two people in a room talking where it will cut to 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 thousands of years in the past and then move closer and closer to the present uh but you know a lot of what's so fascinating is is just the suggestion that Idris Elba is a genie, this magical, you know, potentially non-existent figure, depending on your reading of the film, um, who's who's there, and you believe that he is, um, you know, capable of giving Tilda Swinton, uh, Alethea, um, whatever she wants within, you know, his rules. rules. Yeah, which yeah. Well, I. 
I think one thing I really liked about the movie, though, and I, I, I actually I'm curious to ask you about that. I did not know there was a reading of this film that were like people don't think he might be real at all, which is uh, interesting, too. But like I I I just appreciated it, like given that like they gave her. I mean, I guess it's uh, I, I should I should have also mentioned it's um the, the, the movie is adapted from a short story from the, the Jin and the Nightingale's Eye. It's like a 1994 short story by A.S. Byatt. But like I like that, like she has this particular job such that like she's kind of immersed enough in some of this terminology and in in these ideas such that like she is not like we don't have to spend like 15 minutes of like her like having to be like convinced she's not hallucinating or her being convinced that he is real she kind of accepts that he's something she's just very skeptical about how like virtuous he actually is and i right. think that's kind of funny it's like it's not like she has to like question am i crazy am i crazy like what what is, what is this what is this and mm -hmm. uh you're, you're not real this is a trick it's just like all right, like I just think you're probably a trickster, like a lot of genies are, and you're just trying to get one over on me. And I, I, I kind of like that that choice there, and and with respect to her character, such that we didn't have like a lot of wasted energy, like having to like get her to like uh, accept what the I don't want to say reality, but just to kind of accept what, what was happening, you know? Yeah, like there are a couple things that that suggest, and I don't really, I'm not that interested in this reading because mm -hmm. it gets away from the point that I think George Miller is trying to make, which is, you know, I mean, she, you know, has this history that she explains as an imaginary friend. She, you know, when she first sees uh, Jin, tries to close her eyes and count and wait for him to disappear. Um, and then, right, like she's always undercutting the efficacy of him as, as a wish-granting um, <laughs> force where she's like, I know the rules of all these stories. She's like Jamie Kennedy in Scream, um, just constantly uh, going <laughs> over how these things go. Um, and then, you know, there's the whole thing where, like, people can't see him until they can um, in the in the final act. Um, and he openly interacts with, with multiple people. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think what's, what's so fascinating is that um, Miller sprinkles enough um throughout where he wants you to question it and he wants you to to um to um to sort of what am i trying to say he wants you to maybe um consider oh sorry consider that doubt mm -hmm. um and then in the end leans more toward what matters is that this is real to her and it's from her, mm -hmm. her point of view and she accepts it as real. Um, and it, it's what the whole movie's about. It's like how you can accept fantastical things into your life and uh, whether or not they, they are uh, believable. Well, I mean, well, 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 I should say, well, I'd say a lot of the movies about that, but a lot of it also is like two people sitting in a room. And I think one of the interesting yeah. things is like, there are two people sitting in a room talking about stuff, but like, I mean, a lot of it's like, she's not necessarily even like accepting some of this into her life. She's just here, like accepting this, uh, this figure in, into this moment of her life, who is then taking him back through her life. I, I, and one interesting about, the, about it is that like a lot, I mean, I, did you watch the trailer before seeing the movie? You know, I might have seen it when it first dropped. Uh, I don't watch a lot of trailers if I can help it. Me neither. Um, like, I mean, every now and then I'll yeah. get one that I like that I think is very effective that doesn't give away too much of the plot. And I'm like, cool, I'm excited for this movie. I'm glad this trailer I kind of that pitched. That smile trailer gets me every time. Not to go on too much of a tangent. Have you seen Which it? one? It's for Smile. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that one looks really, uh, that looks deranged. Um, <laughs> oh, but wow. But like, I mean, so anyway. I, I feel, I am honestly didn't even realize like George Miller, like I wasn't 100% sure like to like, honestly, like, like, like beginning of last week, like George Miller had a movie coming out or or something like that, or, or, or no, maybe honestly, it was maybe two weeks ago, but I did not know the plot. Like, so like I'd seen something about he had, a, he had a movie and I, like I'd not learned anything about it. And then I didn't even realize it was coming out last weekend. So like, um, my friend Kayla texted me her ticket, her AMC ticket. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. I'll try and go to this. And, but like, I, I mean, it's, it, my, my point being though, like the marketing was just kind of funny and uh it like it just if you i i i i want i want you to watch it afterward after we're done with this and tell me what you think because it just it doesn't really capture the vibe of the movie like uh necessarily all that well and you wouldn't have known that like it was actually being told in this way with these people like 
in this room and it's like and it's like all of this different scenes are just mishmashed together so you don't have any idea what the narrative of the structure of the film actually is by watching the movie so i think it caught some people off guard but like like you said it's about you know maybe accepting these fantastic things in your life but a lot of it is like him also just kind of like recounting his story to her and like she's learning about and she's learning i mean they're talking about what all of this means as they're going through all of these different stories yeah. he has been told but at the same time like i think it's that part of it is like is something that a lot of people weren't expecting and like i wasn't expecting it when i knew it was a tilda swinton movie i didn't realize she was going to be in like comparatively like so little of the movie up until like that final act and uh yeah. as they're jumping back and i'm wondering because i'm seeing a lot of people saying you know for all of the money that went into like a lot of these flashbacks and stuff like that, I thought the movie was most electric when it was just these two people talking in a room. And I mean, I, 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 and I'm not necessarily down on the other parts of the movie, but I get where people are coming from on that. So I'm wondering, because uh, it sounds like you kind of like got a lot out of them talking as well, and like what 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 this what fantasy means, what story means, uh, what we take from it into our life. So we're, but like based on what you said earlier it sounds like you were also pretty in, pretty into like kind of the visuals of this story as well so what were you feeling in these movies as you went through these flashbacks did some of these stories just like really really do it for you more than any of the others and like what how are you feeling and when we just kind of got this guy's biography <laughs> yeah um i think i think all the stories he tells are um are interesting and i think the only one i'm not quite as 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 into is maybe the um it is the were you into the print were, were you into the prince orgy the prince orgy i didn't mind that i thought that was you know i can i can certainly see people finding that problematic i don't think it is because it's not like i, I don't th see it as like fat phobic or anything it's just um it's more a joke on the prince himself who is as the mother says he's a baby and there's the great visual of him having to 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 take over as the sultan and he just has the most miserable like, panicked look on his face he's like what can't i go into my my padded orgy room <laughs> um, but no uh it's yeah as i mean like the, the guy just has a particular body type that he's attracted to it's you know it's whatever um it's the first uh story uh not the one with sheba and solomon which i actually think is is really cool especially the scene where um, Solomon plays that instrument and then mm. he, like snaps the string and reattaches it. And then you see the hands playing in a smaller part and then beating um, some, you know, a more percussive um, mm. a part of the instrument. Right. It's so so the, by cool. this, yeah. So by the second story, you mean the one where the girl wishes that the prince would fall in love with her? Yeah, that one, mm. that one is, it's, it's fine. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's good. Um, the part about it I like the the most is at the end when he can't get past the other like magical creature who like turns into a uh, the, the the head spider from the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's a fine story. Um, it's also really sad, um, as many of these are, because um, the dad gets so paranoid and um, and uh, has to go up or he feels the need to challenge his son. We'll say. Um, but yeah, I think the the second one is so strange, and also it has so many um, cool visual ideas, especially when um, it's from his POV, and you have that distorted uh, sort of framing where it's like hyper focused on the center of the frame, um, and everything else uh, else is um, is warped around mm -hmm. it. I think that's that's really cool, and it's a very uh, you know, deceptively simple trick. And then the third one, when he's with um, Zephyr. Which is maybe the most contained of the stories, uh, is is the most heartbreaking and also like it's the one where you where where you see uh, Tilda with uh, um, Alethea fall in love with him because she sees herself in this industrious um, lonely woman mm -hmm. that he uh, that he is just so in love with and who he supports uh, in her in her um, intellectual pursuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I so I you did a good job of kind of summing them all up for everyone there and without giving anything away, because hell like we, we could we could probably even do a spoiler section on this in a little bit, because like I think it might actually yeah. be one that's worth doing it for when like I don't know if it's gonna be like super widely seen and I think I saw somewhere it's coming to streaming soon. This so movie's uh, gonna tank. 
it's yeah yeah uh, I, yeah i want to talk about that a little bit and again like i said about yeah. just the, the fact that it got made at all it's interesting given where it's probably headed in that regard but i i would just say that like i i just think it did a really effective job i probably agree with you on the uh on the second story being the one that like is probably just not going to stick with me the, the out, out of all these but uh, but i i i do appreciate just how like i mean because i it did feel like we got a decent amount of them in that hotel room but at the same time like i just think they did a really effective job of like just making you care about these characters uh pretty quickly such that you could take something from all of these this movie to its credit is less than uh is like less than an hour and 50 minutes long and it does and it i feel like it just, it gets in and out in these things in a way that like you know at least conveys to what what it really intends to about these characters to the extent it needs to and within the keeping of the themes of the film because i mean uh as we touched on earlier like althea is like very lonely and it's understandable that she would like kind of see herself in some of these stories and uh come to identify with the gin because he is just making it that clear to her like uh you know beyond being like stuck in a bottle he's been stuck in a bottle for a very particular reason where he's just been like um uh where, where either he has been like someone that's been, like kind of like been personally involved in something that's like made him feel pretty isolated or like he's kind of seen someone else kind of go through like something similar like uh maybe they do in that specifically in that second and third story um where these people are just like you know, don't really have much going for them in life. And I think it's just, again, I can't necessarily fault anyone that like is more taken with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba's chemistry than anything else that's on the screen. But again, you know, look, I, I don't blame George Miller for wanting to tell a story that's something more than just two people right. talking in a room. He's George freaking Miller. Like, let the dude exactly. do his thing, you know? Yeah, you know, it, and it's funny you mentioned that uh, that they're both kind of gone for a while because it doesn't feel like that, especially uh, Idris Elba. He's obviously narrating you know mm -hmm. that entire middle section but you're right you you often are seeing things from his point of view um, even when yeah even when he's not on the and, screen like i mean he's in the zephyr one but like he is just kind of like they are under a, literally under a rock in the third one uh, with the yeah, with, exactly. with, with with the with the with the brothel or whatever or the orgy scene like yeah he's mm -hmm. he's so like yeah it's kind of his perspective but like they're both gone for lots of it i think it's i mean i think it's fairly bold you know i yeah and i just because I'm so aware of them sharing these stories, I never mm -hmm. forget about them. And I, um, and 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 when you see them come back on screen, you know it's like you never left them. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think it's threaded really, really um, carefully and effectively. Yeah, I guess I want to ask you a little bit more about the 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 Zephyr story, and we can touch yeah. on anything else, odds and ends at the end. If there's anything I didn't want to you don't want to touch on, but I do think that one is like on a, the most powerful, probably out of all of them. And uh, and beyond anything, it's trying to say about loneliness. She is obviously a rather lonely character, even when uh, the Jin is right there falling in love with her. She's you know seems oblivious to him for part of it, and then just kind of like is put off by him, and you know sends him back into oblivion. But like. What do you make of like her wishing for all of the knowledge in the world, basically, and then him just giving her him, him giving her books? Did I did, one? Did you think of any, anything? Did you think much of, about that specifically? Because for a second, I thought it was just gonna like he would be able to snap his fingers and just like make her brilliant, just incept her with all knowledge, as opposed to like giving her all of the books in the world. And which I mean, I guess is and it's in and of itself a fairly lonely endeavor. But uh, but 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 after that, just like what 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 it says about the fact that like it had that effect on her specifically that wish. What did you what did you make of that? Because it, like it's I, I don't know. I I just I found it pretty moving the way in which she was ultimately overwhelmed and how like hey maybe there's something to be said for like yeah just uh that being able to just like uh maximize your intellectual capability is certainly not going to lead to a fulfilling life. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, this is just to get, I mean, it's not super personal, but if ever I were to like meet a genie or a djinn, that's something I would definitely, definitely ask for. Like, oh, I yeah, you, but don't exist. you work in a library? I work in a library. <laughs> and um, like, I wish so badly like if i could just know everything i feel like that would solve not all problems but a lot of problems <laughs> it'd be great yeah. um so i'm so sympathetic to that wish like it, it's great but yeah and it's not enough that she has access to everything she then like asks how to know everything you know mm, when yeah, she's right, right, right. given um the ability to dream um while she's awake as a jinn dreams and then yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, and, and something that that Alethea 
um, brings up very early on is like, you know, no matter what you wish for, it always backfires to some degree. And well, that moves her that that, yeah. that well, that story moves her mm -hmm. so much that like she makes like the biggest decision in the movie. And exactly. Um, even to, to whatever uh, to to whatever extent she is like real having that realization about how those things can backfire in that moment, she like wishes that the djinn would fall in love with her. And yeah. that kind of sets us on a course for the rest of the movie. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what, what you thought about that particular character choice and how and how she was informed by that last story, but also uh, mm -hmm. how effective you think the movie was in making that transition to London and also all of a sudden becoming a pandemic movie in a way. Yeah, and, and you which, see I, which I was I, which I was jarred by, but also like made sense to me. Yeah, you see a little bit of that at the beginning when she's um, at the at the lecture, and you can see some people with masks and mm. stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the choice that um, or the wish that that uh, that Alethea makes is in response to kind of what happens at the end of the Zephyr story, mm -hmm. where um, it, it goes a little wrong for Jin, who who um, <laughs> gets very attached, and so Alethea is like, you know what, I will I will give you what none of these other people. Um, can give it, and what I am missing in my own life, and yeah, the the um, last section of the film is is so fascinating um, and really really sad, um, and mm -hmm. a fascinating just juxtaposition to um, one of one of Miller's earlier films that I actually watched um, just before the uh, before we got on the the call, um, uh, the Witches of Eastwick, which is another film. Never seen about... it. I want I want to watch it. It's really, really good, and it's mm -hmm. um, I I may need to watch it again. It's one where like the individual elements are all like unbelievable. It doesn't mm. quite come together for me until the very, very end. Um, but it's 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 got a lot of amazing stuff, and it's about like you know feminine desire, um, and about these these witches who conjure up someone who effectively exists to satisfy all of them. Um, but then becomes this sort of uh, this codependent um, entity for all of them, and um, and and that's a much more caustic film. Whereas there is a tenderness, I think, to the end of um, you know to to the resolution of this film that is is really moving um, and and really sincere, um, and you know not to not to spoil anything, but it's also really difficult um uh, in a way mm -hmm. that i think is 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 mature and and fair-minded um where it could be very easy to be cynical about what happens with mm -hmm. these characters and um yeah yeah i don't know how much you want to talk around the ending it's it's not a totally spoilerable movie because the the plot is so strange um and because the film has kind of an unconventional shape to it yeah, um, I guess. Yeah, I guess it can. It can. It can be a short spoiler section, and and then if I can, uh, I mean, whatever. I'll, I'll have my little discussion with you about the state of the movie industry at the end of that. People can. People can wait till after they've seen the movie for that. But I think. I think. I mean, I, Holden like really loved this movie, and I really enjoyed it too. And I think yeah. people should definitely check it out wherever they can at this point. I'm. 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 I've, I've been. I'm gonna get this. This is gonna be posted like uh, by 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 the week of. Uh, by the week of labor day so i mean at that point hopefully it's still hanging around in theaters and i i think holden would second my sentiment go see it in a theater if you can but george like, miller he has a message right before that says thank you for seeing this in a theater yeah i know it's him and tom cruise are the guys uh earnestly asking us to go to the movies for uh, uh more people saw tom cruise's movie though and like the first like one like in the first like like one day then are gonna see this whole thing but like whatever uh but I mean, but, but yeah so good but. yeah no yeah top five of the year for me so far but like go 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 it's go see for me, yeah yeah go go see uh go see three thousand years of long it's it's it, it's as i think i want to as i want to discuss a little later in the podcast it's a small it's miracle a just got made we, yeah. we 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 should hope it we should hope more do go see it in a theater but it, like if for whatever reason you're coming to this podcast at a point in which you can't uh definitely worth checking out it's uh just because it's very unique uh but now i'm going to jump ahead and talk to, a little bit about the ending with holding uh holding one thing that actually came up uh, earlier in the movie, though, that we didn't touch on was like uh, the Jin talking about his uh, biological composition and how uh, he is made of what he calls subtle heat, also kind of like electromagnetic yeah. fields and in the, in the like. He ends up going. He ends up going back, and I, I made the comment about it, it was kind of a pandemic pandemic movie. I should have said pandemic uh, 
era movie in so much as it's kind of set there because the masks are more prominently featured at that point. And I think it just kind of mm-hmm. underscores a lot of the loneliness that like people have felt in the last two years, probably. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially single people. I think I can, uh, you're married. I can speak of that from, I mean, you know, a little more play- personal experience though. I actually had a job I kept going into in an office. So some people definitely yeah. had it worse than me as far as uh, being isolated the last two years. But like, it does kind of hit you in a moment because like there've been a few pandemic movies, but not that many really. There've been some pandemic yeah. productions, but like, I can't think of that many that like so far, which I'm not complaining about. I don't need that much of that in my entertainment, but as far as movies that like actually were like really like made that a part of their plot at all, I can't think of a ton other than like uh, Soderbergh's Kimmy that came out earlier this year off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and bad so luck banging Looney po- or Looney porn also is. Uh, very... Oh, I didn't, I, I did not watch that one. Um, yeah. uh, it's weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know, I know very... what it's about. It just did not make it to it yet and did not realize. And I knew the plot, but I did not realize it was uh, kind of set, set during COVID um it's good check it out sometime. okay yeah 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 no i i i i definitely plan to um but i but i but i guess my point was like when you see the person like just sitting in front in front of you there with the mask like i do think it yeah. like it kind of like it, it does like put you in a time and place in a way that like can i think make it more personal in a way that's very effective in a movie that is you know uh really trying to uh say something about loneliness and um and the effect and why she might be like driven to uh you know try and like uh form some kind of relationship with the djinn even against all of her better judgment we'd heard up to that point in the movie she is moved by this guy and is like all right i can make this work i see something here i feel some kind of connection and she wants to make that happen but we come to learn that uh hey uh, just simply existing in this in this more modern place is like just not easy for him based on his composition did, did you have any thoughts on just that choice or even taking a step further did you think that movie was trying to say something about just like technology today and and what the effect it does have on us even if it was having an effect on someone that's not really one of us yeah i you know i didn't even consider that but that's such a good point um Mm -hmm. uh that this is kind of a a fantasy about um living in a you know kind of post-covid world where Mm -hmm. like you have to distance yourselves from people or else you could get sick from a a very fatal disease and, (laughs) and die like um, or you could get someone else sick. So that, yeah, that adds, that's such a, a great wrinkle, um, mm-hmm. at least for, you know, cultural historical context. But, you know, I think the, the end of the film um, is that the, you know, she finds this love, but also like she goes back to her own life. You know, she, she does her thing for the most part, like the gin, because the thing she wishes, um, can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Is um, she wishes for him to love her, um, so he exists kind of as this this extension of her life without a ton of of autonomy, um, and while she is technically, you know, doing the work to um, grant him his freedom because she has to make three wishes so he can. Uh, be out of the bottle and go live with his gin friends and family, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's sort of trapped him um, mm-hmm. and it's not sustainable for him um, because it, it is this one-sided relationship. Um, even though, you know, she has wished that he loves her, it's it ends up not actually being good for him. Um, and then, you know, by the end, she has to make this really tough choice where she's like, look, I'm sorry that I tried to force something, you know, mm-hmm. but if it will, but because I love you, I will, um, I'll make the hard choice and let you have your freedom instead. And she does. And she packs his things away, which is more proof that he's real is that she has a box with his shoes <laughs> and, and pants and, and his giant red village coat. Um, unless she just bought clothes (laughs) to put in a box um and um and and then he goes free but then you know something that's introduced at the beginning um maybe not the the smoothest bit of exposition you know she says that she has an imaginary friend who she writes down um and then um one day the the book um where she writes down all of uh, these stories about her friend get uh she she burns it and my own sort of a tangent my own theory is that uh her um 
explanation for this. Uh, she explains it as an imaginary friend. It could just be, you know, more contact from right um, from a magic being because she also sees like jinns early on, um, mm -hmm. very briefly. Right. Um, like the one in the, the airport and the one is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, uh, you know, at the end of the film, she's um, writing again, but this time about Jin and all the stories that uh, he told her in um, a book called 3,000 Years of Longing. And then he visits her and, uh, and they see each other every once in a while. And, you know, he's, th this, this film uh, has a, a running motif of, of the color red as sort of a binding sort of unsatiated kind of uh, passion, I think, with mm -hmm. there's the red thread that Sheba has to get for, um, or that Solomon has to get for Sheba. He's always wearing red when he is with her um, or when he's uh, with the, um, is it Goldin? Um, mm -hmm. the, the first um, woman he's, he's with. Um, and then when he's with uh, Alethea. And then at the end, she is wearing... Um, a red outfit and he is wearing an earthier like brown huh. coat like he is free and she pines after him but she has that passion in her life that she um that she kind of closed off and they have sort of a it's implied like non-monogamous relationship um mm -hmm. but they they you know have this um loving um relationship where they they see each other and and spend as much time with each other as, as possible yeah well i think well yeah and yeah i mean it's 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 nice where it gets to that point i think one thing where it did kind of like i don't want to say it lost me a little bit of it maybe it made me a little confused was that like it does kind of explain what's going on with him like kind of fast mm -hmm. and the choices she makes and so much is that like she says the thing about like kind of robbing him of his free will by like doing that wish in a way that like even though they'd already talked about like how the technology was causing him problems it mm -hmm. made me think like oh is there like something else that's like preventing him from like being as highly functioning as he could be because she took that free will away from him because i was also confused in that like earlier in the movie it made it he was making it seem like as long as you someone gives someone like asks three legitimate wishes of me like i'm good to go i can be free mm -hmm. so i i i guess i might have like i don't know if it really explained that all as well as it clearly could have in that moment in so much as mm -hmm. it's like look i he, he's begging her the whole movie just to do the three wishes and he thinks he'll be mm -hmm. good then maybe he didn't fully understand how he would be affected if he like just went to another modern area i just thought he was going to be like um you know impenetrable if he did that and then but at the same time she's also just kind of like making it seem like in it, it might, that might have just been her own guilt feeling like she took something away from him uh by like kind of like making that particular wish but i wasn't sure if that was just more in her head or like something that was actually like holding him back physically in some way or if that was just all the electromagnetic fields like i didn't think it was mm -hmm. totally clear on that in a way that like kind of left me scratching my head for a minute but as i said we very at the start of the podcast at the very first time with all the choices they make with their relationship to get to the point where you just kind of like explained where they were at the end like i still mm -hmm. understood all the emotional beats and that yeah, was really yeah, yeah. like all that mattered to me at the end. And I think like mm -hmm. they they convey all that if nothing else. And that's why like right. the last the last act of the movie like still really works for me. And that like I still like really felt what felt where they were at emotionally. So that, yeah. that that's that's all I kind of want to say about that. I yeah, they kind of brush over the the mm -hmm. fact that he is you know made of uh, uh, a lack uh, uh, that he's like held together through electromagnetism. Mm -hmm. um, uh, which is, you know, I mean, you can sort of look at it as a, a bit of a, um, a plot hole that, you know, in Istanbul, like, you know, they, they have electromagnetism and interfering or an interference in Istanbul. It's weird, that, <laughs> that, you know, going to London that, that suddenly changes, but, you know, it's, it's, I think a larger metaphor for like these two people, like, had this whirlwind romance, um, but maybe don't belong uh, to each other for forever. And, you know, maybe she shouldn't have to depend on him, you know, for her salvation. Um, but uh, I, I think, yeah, getting squarely into like sort of the rules of the movie, I think, yeah, it's a matter of him being unable to really adapt to the the modern world. Um, do you think, do you think that is a... Do you think there is any kind of other thing that 
like i mean i like this end of the movie emotionally i overall really liked all these stories they tell about is there anything you think there would have that if it had been a little done a little differently would have just like i don't know made this movie a little more of a box office hit in a way that we're kind of lamenting it's not like it's like i think it's just like its very own thing and it's like a small miracle it got made but like you know hey this movie about this woman that realizes like you know she made a selfish she made a somewhat selfish choice but she can still find happiness in, in her own like she'd already kind of con- like felt kind of content in life and you know mm-hmm. she can still find a good spot not exactly like the most like thrilling climax of a movie from the guy that did mad max but like at the yeah. same time like this is the story he, he got from this book like is there any version of this movie that you think is like commercially viable i don't know and it's it's weird because I mean, I think the skeleton of this movie is actually pretty straightforward. Like, yeah. there's this, there's a a sort of uh, isolated woman who, who, um, you know, relearns to love life with a with a gin, a manic pixie dream gin, and <laughs> and then uh, you know maybe that isn't totally the answer to her problems, but you can easily sell this, and I think you know maybe. From the limited stuff I've I've seen, it sh- it feels like they've tried to to play up the fantastical elements as well. Mm-hmm. They should. Um, it's a little bit harder to convey the intimacy between these two characters, mm-hmm. which is sort of the the juice of the movie is the fact that it oscillates between um, these you know th- this this uh, whole um, system of, of magic and. Um, and you know supernatural uh sort of ability and and power that exists in the universe as well as the fact that it's just these two people sharing their lives with each other yeah i don't and and i don't know how you can i mean i i love the movie as it is i will admit like there are scenes that are that are messy or just downright sloppy Mm -hmm. um or or imperfect but on the whole like I, the stuff that works really, really, really works, and it connects well enough um, holistically that it's not a problem. But yeah, like I don't know. I don't know what you you know what you change about this movie to make it more accessible, or how you market it. Like, well, I guess we just have to accept the fact that like it's just uh, we gotta just appreciate the fact that like George Miller got this thing made. It's just it's funny that yeah. like he you when you make something like mad max that is as you know commercially and critically successful as that like you mm-hmm. presumably buy yourself some kind of goodwill and capital that like you're going to cash in at some point and he chose to do it on something that like probably never really had a shot at making any money but like how many movies like this get a 60 million dollar budget it's it's i i was just kind of like i was yeah. kind of that's that's the thing i was like so curious to talk about is that like i'm just thinking mm-hmm. about it as i'm watching this and like i don't know who's going to go see this movie i didn't even know it was a movie till like a couple weeks ago that was coming out right now like why give the guy from that did mad max like 60 million dollars to make a movie and not like give it a like even a, like a nominal nominal to decent marketing push it just didn't really yeah. have it and in it's one trailer which i'm telling you you got to go watch is this like not representative of the movie at all it's just so strange and i'm just like man like I, I i i it would be such a good precedent if a movie like this made money but one like it didn't even seem like they ever thought it had a chance they didn't try two i can't necessarily say that you're wrong about that but it's like why spend this much money on it if you're not going to like try and make your money back and like as of now about almost a week after the first showings because we're do- taping this on the wednesday after the i guess it's first thursday showings would have been it's made like 4.2 million dollars on a 60 yeah. million dollar budget which like i mean i don't i don't think anyone's sweating it that much um I think did yeah george miller still getting to do the furiosa movie which is going to make a shit ton of money and then like the hand ringing can be whatever about this but like for the purpose of getting these kind of movies made kind of disappointing yeah and then this is um yeah where where is it going to streaming exactly is it um do we know if it's well uh let's see Re- release on this yeah it doesn't really say i saw somewhere it was gonna come to streaming soon but i don't know that yet so yeah i yeah. thought for some reason i thought this was an amazon picture at which point like that's yeah, fine like they got their lord of the rings thing i'm sure like no one's hurting over this but mm-hmm. even then it is a bummer like and it felt like george miller like really blew up for at least like 
you know, movie people after Mad Max Fury Road, which is like, you know, yes, a commercial hit, but also a very singular piece of filmmaking. Um, All right. Know, it, 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 it is an MGM thing, so it's going to end up on Amazon at some point to answer your question. There you go. Like, um, yeah, I, I don't know why this didn't quite get the uh, the push or, or why people didn't respond to this. Um, maybe it just came too late after mm -hmm. Fury Road. Like, that's, you know, just over seven years ago at this point. Um, right. But uh, the thing that really boggles my mind is, like, this is, it's so critically divisive. Um, mm -hmm. Like, people are really split on this movie, which is, which I find a little uh, curious because the whole premise of the movie to me is like, hey, you like how like movies make you feel things? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> um, you know, it seems pretty straightforward in that way, but uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's too bad because, you know, I saw this the first time. I had a lot of questions, questions that were, were pretty easily answered after I knew how it fit together and could, could see it a second time. But just the, you know, the last few days, I saw it this, you know, Saturday, um, the Saturday before we recorded. And every time I thought about this movie or was just, you know, thinking about it, I was so happy. It really does leave you with with this sense of euphoria. If you, if you open up to it and you let it sort of do its thing, if you start to believe in genies, you know, they only appear to those who 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 need it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 no, it's like, I think I think if you're open to it, it's pretty easy to get kind of like swept up in the story. And exactly, I think that's yeah. it's just like, you know, uh, heck, I, I, I enjoy a lot of the big blockbuster entertainment that people kind of lament has taken over the theaters these days. But like, mm -hmm. if you're one of those people that might complain about that thing, you don't see this movie, then you're not really like, um. You're not really putting your money where your mouth is if you're not like supporting oh gosh, something like this getting made in the first place. Like, and I mean, look, I I, I can't totally blame people that aren't seeing it because, like, again, I it didn't get a lot, a lot of a marketing push. But if like if you if you do see it, like, and if you do know it's there, you should go give it a shot because I think it's just something that's going to get to entertain you with a lot of different stories. That as I said before, I found very impressive because it does at least to some level invest you in like five different stories in like less than two hours. So I it's, think that's yeah. that's a feed in filmmaking, in my opinion. It's so cool. There are like, I don't know, like five short stories within this larger, you know, narrative mm -hmm. of a woman falling in love with a, a genie. Well, no, I was counting her as the fifth, fifth one because there's like four flashbacks, right? And then there's oh, right, like, right. Well, yeah, because they're his, and then her, like, yeah, and her, her, her overall head. story is kind of like the fifth thing exactly, uh, with yeah. the four other flashbacks, basically. Yeah. So, um, right, it's, right, 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 it, right. look, yeah, they, 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 they do a good job of like, you know, like, uh, putting you in both of their perspectives, and then like, you know weaving it together in their own way at the end. And I, th I think that's just like a, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just a feat that should be like, um, it, it should be rewarded. And I, I hope people find it. I hope it has a nice second life on Amazon prime after like $10 million worth of people go to it at the theaters. If that, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's just a, like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just so weird. Like Mad Max was such a sensation. I just, you would, I, you would hope that more people would just go on his name recognition alone, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's also gotta be kind of weird when you see like a, a weird ass trailer like this. So, I mean, not that this is anything like Fury Road. It, I mean, it's, but no. I mean, I think it has the war, it has the warmth of something like, you know, babe or heavy feet or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. so, and he, he, he contains multitudes in that way, but like you know, you would just hope when you put slap Mad Max for your creator on the trailer, it would um, it would uh, it would it would, it would get some more people in the door. But you know, it is it is what it is. Um, Holden, anything else about the movie we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention before we wrapped up? Yeah, just really briefly, I will yeah. say you know, there's this movie is also uh, it's it's not like a, a comedy or anything, but it is funny in that way that like George Miller can be can be kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> It has one of my favorite things, which is uh, when um, when she goes back to London, she has these two racist um, mm -hmm. neighbors. Um, one of, who I think one of them is is definitely in Fury Road, as the Clem. Mm. Uh, she plays in Fury Road. She's the one who has all of the seeds. Um, okay. And there's the scene where they're. It just has this great rhythm to it, where they're like um, talking about how. Uh, uh, just some racist nonsense and mm -hmm. then uh alethea tells them off um and then walks back in and then the neighbor says uh says you fuck face 
which is <laughs> get your ivy off my our side of the it's always funny to like i hate to swear but like it's yeah, like an old people funny. curse when when they say that specifically like larry david does it in curb your enthusiasm martin short does it in only partners in the building um and and the lady from Mad Max Fury Road does it here, and it always... I don't know why it's so funny to me. And then uh, and, and then they she shares this particular dish with them to sort of make peace, to introduce them to, to the gin. Well, I, I, I like it when the gin shows up right behind her at that moment after she says he's staying a while. And, 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 then, and then they're like almost taken aback by his hamster nips at that point, which is, that was kind of funny. So I, I will say... Um, uh, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. My wife, not like a huge movie person, did not know who Idris Elba was um, going into this. And then by the end, she had a huge crush on Idris Elba. Wow. And I I know. I mean, what a hot I mean, I, I feel, I feel like he, I, it's funny. Like, I mean, even if you're not a big movie person, I feel like he's like a level of celebrity that like, I feel like some, like most people just kind of know. So that's kind of funny that she made it this long without like really knowing who she was. She get her to yeah. watch The Wire. <laughs> um, I but I could. I'm trying to think of some Idris Elba stuff uh, she might like because you know he's he, he never he never really had like a huge hit. No, like um, I, that's the thing. Like, I I, God, I, I we didn't actually talk that we, we didn't. That's the other thing I was I should mention is that we didn't talk that much about the performances themselves actually. They're great. And one I really enjoyed Tilda Swinton in this. Like I think she's gotten into like her thing as is just so often is like playing someone that's like wacky, not really a typical like real person or anything like that, or just like weird, crazy, yeah. kooky characters. And it was cool to see her like play a normal person i can't tell you how many th how many times has she actually done that in the last like 15 years aside from like michael clayton and we need to talk about kevin or something like that yeah you know like, like i guess the the souvenir movies where she plays oh her, right duh. Her daughter's I, mom. I, I forget that yeah i mean so the, no no i actually did not see souvenir part two yet but like i mean yes uh, she's very great. good in that yeah, yeah yeah definitely worth i think so, it's better than the first one but oh just, wow okay yeah then i, I, gotta, I gotta do that one, but the second one <laughs> i got i gotta do that but like i mean it's cool to like if she, that she was just like okay i'm gonna like play somewhat of a normal person even if it's in a not so normal movie mm -hmm. idris is just like man i feel like i don't want to say overexposed because it's never like i dislike seeing him in theaters but it's like man like does every single blockbuster movie have to have idris yeah. elba he's now like in all the marvel stuff he's in pacific he's, rim yeah. he's in uh he's in um the uh, hobbs and shaw uh he's in like he's like he's and in I, I th movies. he's in yeah like, yeah like the, the, the marvel stuff like right i think I feel like I'm forgetting like something else or uh, some other kind of big franchise blockbuster type fair he's been in. It's just like, I can, can you think of any, any movie role of his that you really enjoy? That is not that aside from like beasts of no nation in which, I mean, it was kind of like one of his first big starring roles or something, you know? So that's a good question. It's it's I, cool I to see, see him just be in donation, but I, I heard uh, it was very good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I think he is, he is very good. And so is, um, so, so is Abraham Ada, but like, I mean, I just yeah, like he's in Suicide Squad. That's what he's in. He's, yeah, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 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 the DC movies, in the Marvel movies, in Pacific Rim, he's um, in you know, the chief, I think. Yeah, right. So like, what live action movie that's just not like straight like big time blockbuster fare? Uh, can you think of where it's like, oh yeah, I I really enjoyed Idris Elba in that, and like, uh, mm. it's, it's so I'm oh, he's, he, whoa, I forgot he's in Prometheus too. Apparently, so it's like it's like look, Another, I it just felt like, like thankless supporting part. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like it's 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 just like he keeps popping up in this stuff, and I'm like, if I just like look, oh, and he's in Star Trek Beyond, so it's like, man, like, oh, so okay, I think I don't honestly can't remember that clearly if like he was actually like if I how much I enjoyed him in Molly's Game. I've not watched that in a while, so he's good in it. He's you know he's he's a, her lawyer, lawyer. Yeah, he's a the lawyer. Speech about how great she is, right? Um. So, so okay, so I guess okay, so now now I, I guess in the last couple of years he did have a couple other things. He popped up in the harder they fall. I forgot he was pretty prominent oh, at the end of yeah. that. I forgot about um, that. Yeah. yeah, and so he's in that and in this Netflix movie Concrete Cowboy, which I mean, look, it tried to be it. something. It it was not good. I I really wanted to like it because I'm first from Philadelphia. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, this is the first I'm hearing about Concrete. Cowboy. Oh, oh, it's a movie about a movie. he plays like a he plays a dad who like is um mm -hmm. of of this kid who's like uh in in Philadelphia, but the he like runs like kind of like this actual based on a real thing like these horse stables that are pretty much within the Philadelphia city limits. These guys ride horses around 
there and but like and the kid is like a troubled kid that has to go live with him for a while and uh but like i, I don't really like the message of it where it goes i cannot even get uh daniel lima to see it and our, our he's basically <laughs> our he's, he's our horse movie correspondent he wouldn't even see it um and daniel lima watches everything too <laughs> yeah yeah and daniel like i mean like i mean he'll even tell you like oh yeah you just you you, you usually invite me for all the black people movies and all the horse movies i'm like well you didn't come on for the black people horse movie but well you did for no but not that one um and uh and but like no he but yes he sees everything beyond even those two categories but like i idris was like so he did that and did molly's game did this but like this felt like like at least something different that wasn't like oh all it it was just almost like wow he's in every single like massive franchise and it's like here's something different that he's doing and he's like really good because i was a little worried at first it was just so weird when the gin first shows up and he's just massive and i'm like what what what, yeah. what even is that what, what even is this and he he gets such a like a more subdued performance than you're expecting when he first pops out of the bottle that like it caught me off guard and i was just genuinely impressed with the uh the actual humanity he was able to bring to this non-human you know yeah so. he's he's so good and he he's so sensitive um in a way that we don't really get to see him be because mm-hmm. like he says he's like look i'm just a guy who wants to be free all right i'm not trying to hurt you i just i feel too much all right that's my only crime is that mm-hmm. i love i love the the women i encounter um on a deep emotional intellectual level Mm-hmm. and i'm a fool for doing so and uh you know i mean he, he's so good and what's so amazing is the kind of the screwball energy that he and tilda swinton have for a, a good chunk of that hotel thing where she's constantly like like i'm, I'm on to you like she'll mm-hmm. or she'll hear a story and he'll tell a story and she more and more gets caught up in it and then we'll be like Wait, no, 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 not falling for it, not falling for mm-hmm. it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's just, he's so, you know, he's, he, he's just got this, uh, this sadness to him. You could say a longing even that mm. <laughs> 3,000 years worth, give or take. <laughs> and he's like, I just, he, he loves the world. He loves exploring and he never gets a chance to. And you feel that yearning in him at all times, like it's always there. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'm so glad he he got this role that he gets to be a real lead, where he gets to be the 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 standout character, and uh, and and for once is not playing just a guy. Where you're like, hey, we got Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good way to put it. How it is when he shows up in these movies. We got Lufa. <laughs> um got uh what's his what's his name on the wire it's uh stringer bell stringer bell i knew that he's so good on the wire mm-hmm. we should talk about the wire no um there's but, there, there, there there are a lot of there there there's there some other wire podcasts out there i th- I, I don't think i have anything insightful yeah. i mean that movie like changed that that series is like my favorite series of all time changed the way it's i see so the world good. all that but i also don't think i have anything super insightful to add about it other than watch it if you haven't people yeah um, and- the only other thing I want to say about uh, Idris Elba here is like, yeah. I I hope people see this and and realize that like he is known for playing a lot of scary authoritative guys, but he can kind of do whatever. Like he's so good as this like romantic object in a way, and it might be the funniest he's ever been in anything. Like he was on The Office and it didn't really work. He, um, well, he plays the he plays the 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 killjoy on The Office. Right, um, where like everyone is funny around him, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't have a lot to do. Like I think um, when he is like in the in the broke episode where Michael Scott Paper Company is negotiating their you know their buyout um, from Dunder mm-hmm. Mifflin is the one time he's given material and he's like kissing up to David Wallace, um, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Uh, and he gets mad at, at <laughs> Dwight for suggesting. They fill their uh, the the rival office with bees, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, this is he's and he's very he's very it's a very dry, yeah. subtle humor, but it's really effective. Like he's mm-hmm. so winning in this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he'll be in my five my my ballot this mm. this, this year. We'll see. Interesting. Uh, Got yeah. a lot of movies to see. It'd be nice for him to get that honor from you because I don't think this movie is going to get too much uh, recognition from the Academy. 
Um, it's gonna be in my top 10 for sure maybe top okay. five like like this is such a comforting movie to me like i said just what it leaves you with is is so amazing like that final shot of them walking down the 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 pathway and he kicks the soccer ball and it's, it's perfect it's so per mm. i'm getting chills just thinking about <laughs> it because it just relaxes me so much well i'm glad you enjoyed it that much um yeah. and I, everyone I, else I should check it out uh, if you see it give it another shot <laughs> um, see it twice see it four times hold on anything else you've been watching recently that you want to direct us to anything else you want to recommend before we sign off yeah um i mean let's see uh, i knew you were going to ask this question and already i'm missing it uh i'll okay I'll, I'll I, I, I i i i edit out everything where people where, where people like vamp so you're good just say whatever say whatever comes to mind when it comes to mind um no, you, you got to keep this all in. Uh, <laughs> finding this guy, D.W. Griffith. Oh, this birth of a nation. You got to see it. No, um, <laughs> there's this uh, this film that yeah, it just left Criterion, I think, last month. But if it's it's on Blu-ray, DVD. So, you know, if you can check it out, like through your library, it might be on Canopy. It might be streaming on Amazon or rentable. But Bertrand uh, Tavernier's uh, Round Midnight just got a, it was a very hard movie to find for a long, long time. Just got a Criterion release. Um, and I caught it uh, this maybe a month ago or something. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful film. Very low key um, with uh, starring uh, jazz legend Dexter Gordon, you know, who's like not an actor, but gives this really, just really lived in performance about a, 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 beloved jazz uh, saxophonist who um you know is is sort of on this sojourn in in paris and this aspiring musician who um kind of takes him in and it's really quiet um kind of formless um elegiac movie i 100 watching it round midnight like really late at night because it's so nocturnal and so low-key but it will um it, it, it's so transfixing that um, it's easy to get lost into and just uh, a really, really fascinating film and, and very beautiful and looks amazing. And the music is, is incredible as well. So give it a, give it a shot. Okay. Uh, right before I started a, a good recommendation. I'm, I mean, it, it, I, as you were talking, I looked it up. You're right. It is probably pretty hard to find. Wasn't even shown as streaming anywhere. If you look on letterbox mm -hmm. and, is, and is off criterion, but like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I appreciate the reminder to still like use my criterion account. I've, probably haven't even watched five movies on there in the last year because i've been so busy oh, at work yeah. but like i'm gonna keep paying for it because i believe in the product and it needs to exist but like i i right before we started recording i got out of seeing uh john boyega's breaking which debuted at sundance earlier this year it's about a um it's about a, a an ex-marine yeah. that's been kind of been wronged by the va with respect to benefits and decides to take a bank hostage making a bomb threat to like try and you know uh get be able to like convince the powers that be at the va to like make amends with him and do right by him um and i don't know if it like completely works completely comes together but like if nothing else and well like i think some people might like it. it is very tense throughout but it's just a it's a really good showcase for john boyega as an actor i've said it multiple times on this podcast i feel like every single like he's basically like better in every single role other than the star wars movies even in like the worst non-star wars movies he has been in like mm -hmm. something like the circle is like a bad movie but i objectively think he's like very compelling in it and the role he plays in that yeah. like he's just he's just a really interesting actor and has done a smart job of like picking out material that like is way more uh interesting and ask more interesting things of him than the star wars movies did and i'm glad he is using whatever clout he got from those movies to like produce other stuff because he produced breaking and has produced a couple other things and um is like trying to like forge his own path so i i really look forward to supporting him whenever i see him pop up in something because i i know he's going to be like really interesting and so i recommend that uh holden uh before we sign off anything you want to plug social media wise like letterbox twitter anything like that i think you're off twitter for your mental health if i remember correctly <laughs> I'm off twitter and i love to <laughs> tell everyone who will listen don't you know that twitter's poison wake up sheeple um no like you know follow me on on Letterboxd at uh, mm -hmm. H.I. Otis Martinson. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm going to be making a, a short in the next couple months here. It's exciting. Um, uh, as a, sort of one of a final project before I finish Do you have the funding yet? Do you want to drop a GoFundMe in here? Um, <laughs> it, oh, it's a school. Is it a school thing? Yeah. 
it's, oh, okay, it's gotcha. but uh, maybe maybe i'll post <laughs> something later um but uh yeah i'm gonna be doing that before i uh before i graduate and before uh, my, the wife and i move off to georgia to be closer to the in-laws um let's see what else i'm gonna watch or listen to the rewind um thank you it's really good I've it's <laughs> been a great year for the cat podcast um follow josh brown's instagram uh, <laughs> don't appreciate that he's <laughs> okay Round i know collective. i say this every time it's so good i'm always so he's a good also, photographer he's really really good photographer it's <laughs> okay all right i don't want to make this like a super uh like you know ab this is not an absolute thing it's contingent on a million ifs if, yeah. if ever i were to to be in a position to make an actual like full-length feature i would 100 percent hire josh brown is like a, a dp um, wow even though like i can't don't don't, don't tell him you said that let's see if he actually <laughs> listens to the end of his podcast and so he can thank you for the compliment because we've been talking for like an hour and like uh like an, like an hour and 10 minutes so i'll be impressive if, if, if he actually makes it there and he can yeah. take you up on your offer okay and and also uh just he's he's so good and I, I don't know his, his film experience but I, he knows how to compose an image i'd be I'd yeah. love to work with him and also um and daniel lima's um <laughs> Uh, Instagram is is really really funny. His stories, yes. <laughs> he doesn't post a lot of he doesn't, he doesn't post a lot on the grid, but he has a lot of he, he's very he's very great with the memes. So uh, he's so so funny. And every time he anytime he uh, he shares uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion memes, uh, Evangelion. Uh, I've, it's it's always it always makes my day. A lot of great <laughs> people who who come through this this podcast. Ben Lubin, if you ever run into him, he's cool. Yeah, well, what the so yeah. last year you came on, it was just it's you and I, but I I, I enjoyed our uh, Power of the Dog podcast as embarrassing as yeah. it was for me. Uh, but then, no, no, but then we, we had the uh, we had the um, you you had you on two years ago when you and Josh and I talked about all of Albert Brooks. Albert movies. Brooks. Like, so like we'll have to have, we'll have to have you come back during award season with someone else because I appreciate the fact that you listen and enjoy all the other characters that come through here. So maybe we'll get you on for something with Ben or Josh or Daniel or something like that um, because they've all like already put in requests for other movies uh, before the end of the year. Basically, I'm uh, happy to have whatever be with whoever. This is this is yes. always so much fun to do. All right, as usual, I'm Josh Jernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and Letterbox podcast. Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod podcast. Uh, email is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Send uh, suggestions, requests, thoughts that way. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, I'm guessing we will have a podcast with our friend Mo Adewunmi on uh, Hong for Jesus, Save Your Soul, and oh, I am yeah, and Elijah's movie. Yeah, and uh, Elijah might come on that. For a second, I was like worried if he was uh, if that's like conflict of interest to have him come comment on it. But he's like, ah, I'm not important enough, so I can do it if you want. So, so yeah, there, there you go. If you, if you, if you're moving to Georgia, he can be your colorist whenever you make something because he's right there. Um, there but uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm honestly like I know it's like going to be a little slow in I think September after that, unless there's some a couple things I'm not thinking of. But then you know, as I keep saying, things are going to pick up again in October. So uh, I'm looking for everyone. Stay tuned for that. Well, you should have at least one thing every week. So uh, thanks. Thanks again to Holden for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time.